Welcome to All Villa, No Filler, a podcast all about Aston Villa. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews like this one. Now, this week, Villa were linked with a move for Sporting's highly rated midfielder, Pedro Gonçalves. Today, I'm joined by the football writer, Zach Lowy, who is co-creator of Breaking the Lines. He regularly covers Portuguese football. So, Zach, welcome to All Villa, No Filler. It's a pleasure to be on. Really excited to be discussing uh, Pedro Gonçalves today and an honor to uh, be discussing Aston Villa, one of England's most historic clubs. Well, uh, thank you very much. Good to have you on. And uh, so, I mean, we'll get straight to it. What type of, pl- what type of a player is Pedro Gonçalves? Yeah, you know, uh, Pedro Gonçalves, he's an incredibly versatile player. Uh, I first started following him in 2019-20 so he's had quite the interesting rise you know he's played for the likes of Braga, Valencia, Wolves but uh, really started to make an impact in the 2019-20 season joining Famalicão and Mm -hmm. in their first season in the top flight in 19 years uh, they were able to challenge for European football up until the final day of the season. And Pedro Gonçalves was really a massive part in that. And I think that we saw him utilized uh, more as in in attacking midfielder in a midfield trio. So, you know, perhaps more of a uh, interior midfielder, right? Then the, the following season, he gets a move to Sporting uh, and they were able to secure him on a fairly... Uh, low-cost deal by giving Famalico a, a fairly significant portion of his resale clause. So I think that uh, they, I, I believe that Sporting still do not have 100% of Pedro Gonçalves. So they would, that would obviously be something that would, you know, come up in negotiations. But yeah, at Sporting, it's, it's, it's hard to uh, overstate how much of an impact he made in his first season, you know, Sporting going from, uh, finishing fourth in the league to winning their first league title in 19 years. And that was, uh, you know, that that was in, in large part due to Pedro Gonçalves' fantastic form. And here we saw him not necessarily in a midfield role, but actually more utilized in the front three, uh, playing both on the left and the right, and really just able to, you know, cut inside, create danger, uh, and I think just provide something that they had been missing since Bruno Fernandes' uh, departure to Manchester United or uh, previously in that year. But it, it would be wrong, I think, to uh, clarify to to state that Pedro Gonçalves is a like for like replacement for Bruno. You know, they are two different players, but okay. he's definitely you know capable of offering something that they had been missing in that regard. So yeah. He finished as the top scorer in the league with 23 goals. Um, interestingly enough, Harris Seferovic had scored a brace the prior day to go uh, to to go top of the scoring charts with 22 goals. Pedro Gonçalves scored a hat trick on the final day of the season to uh, finish with 23 goals and to uh, become the first Portuguese player since I believe 1996 to finish as top scorer in the league. So yeah, massive achievement for him. I think that, you know, he he got a move, he got a call up to the European Championship the following uh summer and wasn't really utilized that much. Mm-hmm. Uh 
the following season, I you know, we saw a drop off in his performances for sure. And that is something that definitely continued at, at certain points this season. There were definitely times where I felt that, you know, Ruben Amorim was was sticking with him in the lineup no matter what and not taking him off when he was perhaps worse than other players. But I do think that uh, we are seeing Pedro Gonçalves coming back into his best form. He is obviously Sporting's top scorer, um, and he's he's proving that he can be a really important player uh, in, in several positions. So one thing that Pedro Gonçalves has actually had to deal with uh, this season is... He's, he's been uh, kind of pushed around from the front three to the midfield pivot. So that's mm-hmm. that's been as a result of, you know, of course, Sporting losing both Joao Paulinha and Mateus Nunes, uh, injuries and suspensions to key players. So, yeah, Pedro Gonçalves has had to operate in, in multiple different positions. I think that's something he's, he's definitely still getting used to. But we are seeing him uh, chip in and, and perform very well. In, in two very different roles. And I think that's that's uh, massive credit to the player's intelligence. Okay, uh, yeah. I mean, his, his versatility seems to be something that really sticks out, um, particularly when you consider where the different positions he's played over the years. And that particularly is something that Unai Emery at Aston Villa seems to like in his players. He likes to have a bit of versatility, which is, I think, why we might have been linked with Matteo Guendouzi as well as Marseille can play in a, a variety of roles. But um, with, when it comes to Gonsalves, um, what would you say are his um, main strengths? Yeah, so I think that Pedro Gonçalves, you know, he's a very comfortable player under pressure. You know, he likes to uh, he likes to have possession. He likes to pick up the ball, drive forward, and and carry it forward. You know, he's also very skilled in terms of uh, his finishing ability. Although we haven't seen the same, uh, you know, fantastic goal scoring ability that that we saw in 2020-21 when he won uh, the top score award, he is still a very capable finisher. So I think that. You know, he's an intelligent player in the final third. He's incredibly versatile. Uh, yeah, he, he's a player who I think is capable of playing in multiple roles and uh, really, you know, not sh- shying away from the pressure. You know, he, he wants to be the player who's going to get sporting out of the jam, you know, dribble past two or three p- players and, uh, you know, c- open up a goal-scoring scenario with, with a fantastic pass. So, yeah, he's, he's very much... I think Sporting's most creative player, uh, whether he's playing in midfield or in, in the front three, um, you know, he, I don't think that he's the most rapid player, but he still has plenty of pace to burn on the counter and, you know, would be uh, helpful for for Unai Emery's side in that respect in terms of counterattacking. So, yeah, very much I think that his ability to create danger both against uh, both on the counterattack as well as, you know, picking the pass uh, against a deep block, it definitely makes him uh, a really important player for Sporting. We're seeing him kind of have a lot more impact, and Sporting have have really had to rely on him after the departure of uh, their best attacker last season in Pablo Sarabia. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the departure of their their best wing back in Pedro Porro. So I think that in in many ways, Sporting have kind of had to go through an identity crisis. Uh, this season, you know, is the three-four-three system still the right way to go? You know, who should be the starters? Uh, it's been a fairly turbulent for them, of course, losing so many key players and yeah. and having kind of some shaky domestic results. But 
Uh, with that being said, they are still alive in the Europa League quarterfinals, and they they you know they have a decent chance of getting back into the top three and the Champions League football. Still got a lot of work to do, but it, it goes without saying that Pedro Gonçalves has been very important in them uh, entering April with a pretty strong run of form and overall kind of uh, getting some consistent performances underway. Okay, well, given that versatility that he has and you just mentioned, where do you think uh, his best position is? Yeah, so that's a tricky one. I think that I would probably say it it really depends on the formation. You know, if you're going to go with a 4-3-3, then I I think that he's better off uh, as an interior midfielder as opposed to a pure winger. You know, I, I wouldn't say that he's like... I, I don't think that he's necessarily uh, a player who's going to drive at uh, fullbacks, tw- uh, you mm-hmm. know, and and run in behind like, um, you know, for example, a player like Bukayo Saka. I don't I don't yeah. see that same kind of ability. But with that being said, I, I do think that uh, if you have a if you have a really attack minded fullback, you know, if, if you can get someone, whether that's on Villa, like like Maddie Cash or Alex Moreno, uh, if you can get them, you know, constantly pushing forward, providing width, I think that, you know, playing Pedro Gonzalez on the wing also wouldn't be the worst idea because that's going to give him uh, time and space to cut inside and and pick apart um, defenses. And I think that's, that's one thing that he's really good at. You know, he knows, uh, you know, if, if you... If you give him someone who's gonna gonna free up that space, he's going to be able to 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 make the right decision, right? Whether that's mm. driving inside and uh, picking a through ball or or having a go at the goalkeeper. You know, he's got some pretty dangerous long shots that, of course, we saw uh, against Arsenal, but but capable of of making a dangerous shot from from long range. And I do think that's something that you know, could attract Aston Villa to signing him as well as many other clubs. So, yeah, I I think that he's definitely a player who, shall we say, who thrives when the team is built around him, I guess is is the right phrase of putting it. Um, We we saw that in many regards at the the, the Famali Cow team in 2019-20. I mean, that team was... Composed of some brilliant players, Tony mm. Martinez, a center forward at Porto right now, uh, Uros Rasic, uh, currently on loan from Valencia at Braga, Gustavo Asuncao, you know, some fantastic players. But with that being said, Pedro Gonçalves was definitely the creative technician in that team. So, you know, it's, it's clear that he has been utilized in in a much deeper role this season. You know, he's been tasked with doing things that he has that he perhaps wasn't as used to in previous years such as dropping deep uh you know having more work on the defensive side of things uh i but i i do think that it's it's worth mentioning that of course sporting play a back 3 whether that's Gonzalo Inacio, Osman Diomand, Sebastian Coates, Jeremiah St. Juice, you know they they have three players to provide stability and you're also going to have you know, depending on the scenario, of course, we saw it with with Arsenal playing two kind of defensive minded uh, wingbacks with Ricardo Escayo and Mateus Reis. You know, so so that's one thing that I would say with Pedro Gonzalez. You know, a lot of this depends on the context. Okay, uh, if you're gonna expect him to 
like, you know, play in a double pivot role and kind of almost as a uh, N'Golo Conte type player, you know, I think that you're going to waste his abilities. Um, But I I think that if you give him a certain amount of creative freedom, then Mm -hmm. there's a good chance that you could get, you know, maybe not the the 23-goal player that we saw uh, two years ago, but certainly a player who's capable of making an impact at the Premier League level. I know that uh, Villa, they, they still are kind of searching for that 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 uh, key playmaker. I'm not sure what the deal is with Philip Coutinho right now. Um, I you know I, I know that Emiliano Buendia and um, and Jacob Ramsey. You know those players have definitely been making an impact. So I do feel like there's there's definitely some potential for um, for for Pedro Gonçalves to slot in there as more of an attack minded player. You know I think that going forward uh, Unai Emery could have. Uh, potentially Douglas Luiz and uh, Bubakar Kamara as a double pivot. I think yeah. that would be a really balanced uh, midfield pair. And then that would almost allow Pedro Gonçalves to be utilized uh, perhaps behind the striker, whether that's Ollie Watkins or someone else. You know, having uh, having someone, perhaps Jacob Ramsey, who's of course very good at, you know, off the ball movement and, and also putting in a shift uh, defensively, and and then have someone you know perhaps more of a pure winger type like I don't know Leon Bailey or or someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be a good way of getting the most out of him because yeah, I, I think that if I had to go with the best position for Pedro Gonzalez, it would probably be a number ten, even though he hasn't really operated in that uh, traditional four two three one formation. You know, I I do kind of associate his game with uh those those traditional tens such as yeah. Riquelme, James, Ozil, you know, I I th- I think that he is a similar player. With that being said, um we you know, we we always talk about the death of the number 10, right? The the position kind of dying out um and and becoming extinct. And I think that you won't see that with Pedro Gonçalves because he is very much uh, a player who was capable of playing in multiple roles and who, you know, despite the fact that he is fairly undersized, uh, is not going to shy away from physical battles. Okay. So that's good for, well, that'd be good for the Premier League, I guess. Um, he's, uh, you know, he scored 17 goals in total this season, uh, nine assists. Uh, that includes the outrageous effort against Arsenal in the Europa League at the Emirates just last week. How much interest are you expecting in him this summer? I'm expecting, you know, I'm expecting a decent amount of interest. Like I said, I think that um, Sporting will probably need to sort out this this resale thing with Famalicao. Uh, I am fairly close with the Famalicao president, and he has confirmed to me that that they still have a portion of the resale thing. So I would probably expect sporting to go to fama and, and offer a, um, a, a package of money for them to get a hundred percent or 90% or whatever, uh, so that they can get the bulk of the transfer fee before they sell him. But, you know, with that being said, I, I think that he's, I think that a lot of it depends on what happens in Europe. You know, mm-hmm. because 
it's going to be very hard for Sporting to salvage uh, their season domestically. They, of course, lost to Porto in the Tasa Liga final. They're already they've been out of Tasa de Portugal for a few months. Uh, they are currently fourth in the league, have an outside chance of you know getting into the top three, getting Champions League football. If they don't get Champions League football, you know, if they were to, for example, uh, you know, lose in the Europa League final and and finish fourth, then of course that would be a massive blow for them. And uh, we we've seen Sporting, despite the fact that they've gotten you know, Champions League football the past two seasons, they've still had to sell so many players such as Nuno Menj, uh, Pedro Porro, Palinha. Um, but to be honest with you, I, I think that the the two players who I think would come to my mind first for a potential departure uh, from sporting is uh, Manuel Ugarte and Marcus Edwards. I think mm. it's, it's definitely... I, I definitely think that Ugarte will be the prized asset that that every team in Europe is going to want they want to get their hands on. Um, se- the secondary player, I think it's definitely between Pedro Gonçalves, Marcus Edwards, Gonzalo Inacio, maybe even Usman Diomand, uh, even though he's just been there for a few weeks. He's looking like a fantastic player. Mm-hmm. But Sporting always have some interesting players to keep their eye on. And I do think that they're... You know that you you definitely as a as a club you need to be taking a look at the selling window. You need to be taking a look at the player's contract. Um, I don't have that information on me right now when uh Gonçalves contract expires, but I do know that he is um I think twenty five years of age. So getting to that uh getting to that stage where perhaps he you know, he he becomes less marketable as a player. I think that was one of the biggest reasons why Sporting sold Balinha last summer, even for a fee that, in, in my opinion, did not uh, register with his value, I believe just $20 million, because, you know, he is 27 years of age. Uh, at a certain point, after after a few more months, you're not going to be able to get the same fee and at the end of the day, that that is always in the the back of mind for mm-hmm. for any Portuguese club, not just sporting. They are above all a business that needs to sell players to survive. And you know, we we've seen that with sporting after winning the title. I think that, uh, you know, I I think that a deep European run could be could could be something that you know turns a lot of these teams' attention. To sporting, realizing, wow, they've got a lot of young players. Let's see about you know how how they would do. And I I think that in contrast to other players such as Marcus Edwards, who yeah has had some very good performances, but is still kind of trying to find that consistency. Pedro Gonçalves has already had an had a, a legendary season at Sporting. Yeah. He's already shown that he can do this at the top level of European football in the Champions League in the Europa League. Uh, and and has been you know capable of playing in multiple positions. So yeah, I do think that there's going to be a decent amount of interest for him. And do you think anyone? Will, you know, the reports are suggesting that there's an 80 million euro release clause. Though there's other reports saying that Villa could potentially agree a fee of 40 to 50 million euros. Is that the sort of price bracket you'd think is most realistic? A sort of 40 to 50, rather than anyone going way up to the 80 million euro territory. 
Yeah, I would I would probably say 40-50 million is about uh where I would go. I mean, I think you know, you look at uh Sporting's recent sales, I think that Matheus Nunes was about 40 million or so in that range. Right. Um, you know, Pedro Porro I think was similar. Uh Joao Paulinho obviously 20 million, but I I think that Pedro Gonçalves he is an attacking player. Of course, he's capable of scoring goals. Um, I think that yeah, if he if he really continues this form, that I could certainly see Sporting getting a decent fee for him in the forty fifty million range. Um, and and I think that you know, I I think that Sporting they they do know that he is very important for Ruben Amarim and for their system. You know, he's been one of their most important players in in their rebuild, shall mm-hmm. we say? And I I think that um. I think Sporting would perhaps prefer to sell other players than him just because of how important he is to the system. But, of course, you, you have to remember the age and the contract. Those are two big uh, conditions when talking about, you know, when is the right time to sell. So, you know, I, I, I would probably expect it to be in the region of $40 million, $50 million. You know, I, I think probably a little less than what, uh, they got for Bruno Fernandes. It's Sporting are a club that, you know, they, I don't think they do as good of a job as Benfica when it comes to getting top dollar for their players. But with that being said, they're, they're definitely not going to be able, they're, they're not going to be uh, just handing out their best players for free. Okay, and I think a key question would be, you know, a player in his mid-twenties um, who's excelled uh, at sporting, really. He has had experience previously of English football at Wolves, though he didn't really play for them as much as far as, as I'm aware. Um, how do you think he's, he would suit the Premier League? I think he would suit the Premier League just fine. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at the players who have come through the Primera Liga, I think that almost all of them have made a positive impact in the Premier League, uh, whether that's Bruno Fernandes, Ruben Diaz, Darwin Nunez. Fact is, I mean, there are, there are so many players who are really excelling in this uh, in this in in this transition, and yeah, I th- I do think that some of the biggest reasons is the the environment that the Primera Liga is, and it really de- demands you to be yes very good technically especially if you're playing for a big team that's going to face a lot of low blocks and disciplined defenses so you know it demands technical brilliance but it also demands uh physical physical uh grit you know mm. and that's something that i see every single weekend when i watch primera liga matches these are players who are who are you know undergoing some very tough challenges and yeah. and who are you know having to run uh, and and continually show their worth in in that regard. So I think that Pedro Gonçalves, despite the fact that he's only five foot six, maybe um, he he doesn't shy away from that aspect of the game. You know he he knows how to use his body and win a foul. Um, you know he he's going to be capable of of playing the right pass on time and and pushing the ball forward above all he's just a very intelligent technically gifted player who yeah i think would be very valuable to a lot of teams i 
think that, you know, I, I definitely could see a Premier League team going for him. And uh, it goes without saying that every sporting player would welcome a, mo- a move to the Premier League. And I do think that Pedro Gonçalves is perhaps approaching that moment. I don't know if it's this coming summer or or the following summer. But, you know, approaching that moment where he needs to start thinking about his career, where he wants to be, um, you know, how much money he wants to make. Uh, he's still got plenty of time. But, you know, I, I do think that um, I think that the, the fact that he wasn't called up to the Portugal squad is mm. kind of a slap in the face considering his impressive form. Yeah, I was going to say uh, it was quite surprising. Him. Surprising he, hasn't, he doesn't really seem to feature for Portugal. And I do feel like, you know, potentially that could um, that could prompt him to move to yeah. a, a Premier League team. Because I do think that, you know, especially for someone like Roberto Martinez, who, of course, has coached in England, you know, knows how special that league is. You know, he definitely values players who are playing in the Premier League more than players who are playing in the Primera Liga. And, you know, that has sometimes resulted in, I think, short-sighted decisions from players who are thinking, you know, we I need to do what's going to get me on the, uh, the in the view of the Portugal manager. You know, mm-hmm. I need to go to a big team. I've seen that with, you know, players such as Francisco Trincao leaving Braga and going to Barcelona um, and how that's almost jeopardized their career at times. But with that being said... Pedro Gonçalves has had very much like, uh, you know, it's it's almost like a career in reverse, you know, because because he goes, he starts off in Portugal, he goes to Valencia, goes to Wolves, and then you know goes back to Portugal, joins yeah. a fairly, you know, I don't want to say a small club, but a club with not that much history in Famalicão, yeah. and is really able to uh, make a name for himself. So I think that that decision to go to a team like Fama rather than, you know, one of the biggest teams in Portugal. That was really important for him to uh, separate himself and and kind of uh, showcase that he's a special talent in this team. You know, it, it, you know, you can't overstate what he did in, in his first season. Most people tipped Famalicão to go down, and he was able to take them to the precipice of European football. Um, and of course, I think a lot of people had had sporting finishing out of outside the top two. Uh, this is a team that, you know, were in a very precarious position at the time. What he's been able to do uh, under Ruben Amorim, it's just been absolutely fantastic. I mean, when he got there, sporting were coming up, coming off a fourth place finish. They had uh, lost in the Europa League qualifiers a few months after he signed and you know they, they've look at what they've done since then they've won the league title they've won cup trophies they've gotten to the champions league knockout round uh and now they're in the europa league quarterfinals so i think that pedro gonzalves he's very happy where he is right now he knows that um i don't want to say he's he's always loved by sporting fans because there have been times where it's been kind of you know, hot and cold, shall we say? But uh, he knows that he he has a coach who hmm. recognizes his importance and knows how to get the most out of him. So I don't think he's necessarily in any rush to leave Sporting. But with that being said, uh, 
if if a Premier League offer you know came to his table, I certainly think he would consider it and you know would consider leaving the club. Okay, Zach. Well, that's been absolutely brilliant to hear, and thank you very much for coming on because I feel like I found out so much about Pedro Gonzalez, and everybody who's watching this will will know much more about him. That was really interesting to get your informed take on him. And um, you know, just before we go, can we just find out where we can find you online and follow your work? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on Zach Lowy on Twitter, uh, as well as my podcasts. I have several different podcasts. The Cortellinius podcast on Breaking the Lines. That's my Portuguese football podcast. Uh, you, I, I also have a weekly podcast on Bet Central. That's Zach Lowy's European football show. You can find that on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify, uh, as well as my podcast with uh, Phil Brown on Beyond the Pitch, the global football show. Um, and I write for a number of different sites, and I'm also the editor of the website Breaking the Lines. That's BTL Vid on Twitter. So, uh, yeah, we've done a lot of Aston Villa content there, and are going to definitely be doing more uh, over the coming months. Mm-hmm.